This podcast is brought to you by GA Sports. GA Sports is home of the O'Connor Slitter, Ireland's number one hurling ball used by 311 clubs nationwide. Hello and you're welcome to this week's Backdoor Football Show. I'm delighted to be joined by Finian Hanley and Shane Renan. Uh, today we're going to discuss the club versus county issue, all sports set to resume on June 29th. And then we're going to touch on Roscommon football and the lads are going to pick the greatest Roscommon football team in the last two decades. Firstly, Finian, we'll start with you, the club player for Sotil Nakankara. Um, nearly any time you go on Twitter now, you're just seeing club versus county issues being slated. Um, especially when you look at the Wexford Hurling Championship going to be played off in the month of August. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a, it's it's obviously a bone of contention at the minute. It's a it's a big talking point. I I really don't know why it's such a big talking point. To be honest, Paul, I think you know, like if if it's fairly clear what has to be done to finish the year out. Now, so it's first the first thing first is that we're we're lucky that we're back playing, or we will be back playing club and county, and and they're hoping by by December thirty first they'll have club championships and the inter county championship played off, which will be. You know, it wasn't looking like that uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was looking like we were we were done until 2021. So that's that's a huge positive. So people can't overly, you know, get down or give out about this. Um, you know, it has to be done. You're not going to please everyone. Um, and they they come up with a, a plan to do so. So you can't really knock them. I think the club versus county debate is a bit ridiculous. You know, like the rules are there and everyone has to obey by them you know be it you know the best teams or or the lesser teams it doesn't matter i think you know if if counties uh go back training while the club season is on and they're not supposed to they should be fined or they should be you know there should be examples made of whoever does that whoever breaks the whoever breaks the breaks the rules should be should be made pay for that i think you know it's there's no reason why, and and this happens, and this goes back, you know, it goes back to that um, the time when they brought in the the um, winter break, which was pure nonsense. Like, you know, I was all for the winter break because I thought if if you adhered to it, you'd have a nice break and you'd be coming back fresh, and everyone's coming back the same. But there was counties going back training in September and October, not supposed to be back in until late November and December, which was scandalous, and and not once really. From what I heard, did the GA come down and slap a, a ten or twenty grand fine on, or, or or suspend people? I think that's the only way to deal with this. And then play the club championships off till September. When that ends, let the counties back at it. But everyone's on the same playing field. I just think there's there's too much debate about this. The GA needs to come down hard and say, look, we're 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 these cards, and unfortunately, this is what we have to do. And everyone is in the same boat. So so I think they're making too much of a big deal about it, and it should be played out accordingly. Yeah, exactly. Very valid point there. Um, Shane, you're also involved with the club and county. Um, like you're involved with Tipperary Ladies, and then you're involved with the Moran Abbey Ladies as well. Do you think Finian's right where he's coming from that it should just be the club and county season and not to break it? Yeah, look, I suppose I'm in a in an awkward position, really. Um, you know, um, I know that there's probably some county teams training in ladies football already, uh, but we certainly we made a decision. Once the announcement was made that we weren't going to to break the rules with the tip girls, um, you know they've been tipping away with their own stuff. As I said, there you know last few weeks um, we aren't even monitoring it. And uh, I sent out a message in the group today actually because um, there was the format for the championship was decided last night in ladies football. It was a central council meeting. So just let the girls know, and I reiterated the fact that we won't be training. We won't be able to train. 
with them um, until September the 14th and we're going to abide by that. We might give them stuff to do themselves, but I think, look, I think we have to be fair to everybody. I'm in the opposite situation then with Morn Abbey. Um, you know, we we have we have maybe, I guess, for six county players who are with the Cork squad, um, you know, and I'm just hoping that, that we'll have access to them all the time because, you know, um, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's going to be very hard for them because I suppose in normal situations, when they are training with both, uh, they do very little with um, with their with the clubs. Whereas now, if the county team are demanding them and the club team are meant to have them, I think there's a huge uh, uh, risk of burnout there. And and because of the fact that we're you know we're, you're you're coming back into a season now and there's going to be so many games, it's it's going to be very um, risky, I think, for teams to. To, to do that, so I think look, I think everybody's going to just have to abide by it. I know the ladies' football said last night as well that there was going to be um, suspensions and fines handed out to to teams who are training when they're not meant to be training. So I hope that's carried through because I think it's everybody wants a level playing field at intercounty level. Um, you know, it's hard enough to beat the big teams as it is, but if they're if if you know if teams are training when they're not meant to be training, um, you know, I think that um, you know it's going to make it very unfair and it it, it won't make it won't make for a fair championship. You know, I think Finian made the point there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this year is going to be a bit different in all in all championships. It's going to be a bit more off the cuff, I think, and you know, have a cut off games and you know, have a goal, and you're not going to be spending months at systems and all of that. And I think you know, it might be more enjoyable for players. And I think this year is just a different year. I think we need to embrace that. You know, I certainly, if if you won in All Ireland this year, you know, it would it mean as much as every other. I don't think it would. You know, to be quite honest, uh, at any grade, you know, and I, but I, suppose, I, I really do think the club has to come first this year, you know, and I think that, um, you know, I, I just talk of an All Ireland Club Championship and ladies football being played in the new year, and you know, I think that's a bit crazy, to be honest, that the girls can't, couldn't enjoy Christmas and things like that, you know, for the for the year that's in it after, especially everything that's happened this year, um. So hopefully, look, everybody will abide by the rules. They probably won't, and you know, will they be reported? Will they be sanctioned? I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of those things are, are said. But as Finian said, you know, when were there? When was there a big fine handed? I know teams lost a national league, home league game, but like, was that a big deal to most teams if they got away with a two week training camp? I don't think they were really bothered. So, look, if there's rules there, they should be kept. Um, and you know, and if they're if they're being broken, I think you know the the rules have to be enforced. And hopefully this year that the, they will come down heavy on these teams that are breaking the rules. Yeah, Finian, all sport is to resume now on the 29th of June, it was confirmed today. Um, I suppose it gives great preparation now for clubs to play their county leagues from the 29th of June to the 31st of July, and then for every club to hopefully start their championship on the 31st of July. But looking at the Armagh League today, they only have county players uh, involved for three rounds of their county league games out of 10 rounds. So... It's it's really going to come down to a case. Will counties, will intercounty managers let these county players play club league games? Well, they should. Uh, Paul is the short answer. They should let them play. Um, sure, the club like it's a great shop window, and it's a great it's a great place for. And I'd be a firm believer, you know, like you see in the last few years, especially with the professionalism that's gone into the county. The club is kind of a place where you go, and if you're not feeling. 100% you might tip out, you mightn't train, you mightn't play a match. Some lads don't play championship matches because they're getting trying to get ready for an inter-county game. And that's that's wrong because I suppose going back to when I started playing, the, the club league and the club championship was where 
you know, if you weren't doing it there, you're wasting your time even going out to county training. And, and I think I'd be a firm believer in that. I know I'm chatting to the likes of Paul Joyce, the goal manager, he's a firm believer in that as well, because, uh, you know, that's where you kind of get your match fitness and match sharpness in a club game and you, and you get your confidence up. If you know you're the top two or three players in that club match, you're heading into the county team with, with good confidence and, and, and managers will welcome that. Um, but I think if, 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 if county boards are setting out parameters for these games to be played and there's three games out of ten for county players, they should all be playing those games unless they're in crutches or in hospital or something. That, that, that's the way it is and they should be going back to their club and, 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 and going for that and the county managers should be allowing for that and maybe using that as a tool to kind of see how the player is and stuff like that. Because um, like the window now, as you said, is the 29th of June to, to the 29th of July, really. For in Galway, I think there's a month between the championship or the start back on the championship. And I, that's well enough um, for club teams. Like all the club players and county players in the country are fit. So I think if you did a, if you did a fitness test with, with county players and club players now, most will pass because everyone's been out running and everyone's been doing their own thing. As Shane says there, you know, the girls that he's involved with, they're all well able to, to, to get themselves in good enough shape to come back. And then he can fine tune his, his tactics and stuff like that. So I think it's a lot of touch and, you know, getting, getting your hands on the ball, getting systems in place and things like that. And I think four weeks is more than enough to nail that down because with all these, you know, uh, tools that you're using now, Zoom and, and, and we'll say all these sports science um, apps and stuff. There's 24-hour access to players and players can see stuff and they can learn stuff. So if Shane wants us to give something to a player, he can just email it on. They can go in and look if it's if it's, if it's it's kicking or if it's looking at opposition. You can do that all the time now. We don't need six months to do that. We don't need 25 in a backroom team to do that. So hopefully this will be you know, it'll narrow things down, it'll make things more concise and it'll, it'll it'll tighten the whole thing up and make it more enjoyable for everyone. So, you know, I welcome what's happening this year. I think it's exciting and I think uh, as long as people stick to it, it'll be it'll be a level playing field and be more enjoyable. And Shane, is this now is this now the right time say, for the GA to look at the club season and try and find a better structure for it? Because before this year, it's been an absolute joke, playing this club month of April, playing one round, going back then, playing another round in August. Nearly every club's momentum is gone by the time the next championship game comes around. Yeah, I suppose, look, the, the big thing this year was for the club, was the club caters for every player. And, you know, the inter-county is, is fantastic, but it caters for the for a very small percentage of players within the, within the GA family circle. And I think, you know, they just need to sit down and, you know, it was a perfect time, you know, I think the, the opportunity had probably been lost at this stage, you know, because everybody's getting back playing now. But there was three months of non-activity, you know, they could have had their meetings, they could have had the proper discussions, but I don't think what it really boils down to is the, the inter-county season has to go ahead in, um, you know, in, in, in October, November because of financial reasons and that's purely you know and I know they, they keep coming back and saying oh if you don't have the financial support or the money coming into GA there isn't going to be coaches on the ground and all this kind of stuff but still you know this was a, spe was a special year I, I would have loved to have seen it just dedicated to, to the club you know it's a one, once off and, and and hopefully get it get it all get it done and get it, get it dusted and you know and and just change things but I think they, there was an opportunity last night in these last three months where lots of discussion could have taken place. There was no point trying to plan games or plan fixtures that you'd normally be doing and dealing with suspensions or whatever the, whatever the boards have to deal with on a regular basis and money situations. They could have just sat down 
um, had a huge discussion about it, engage with all the parties. Like, the, like it took long enough for us to recognise the GPA. They were seen as a, a problem child. Now they have a new problem child in the CPA. They don't want to recognise them really. And, you know, they play lip service to them. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that those players, like there's other, other codes, like, you know, soccer, the beauty with soccer, fellas playing soccer know they're playing with their fixtures all the time. They know they're playing every week. Like, I can't see how, how that can't be happening in the GA. It happened one time there. When, um, I was involved in Mixtown in 2017. We got to the intermediate club final. And we played five Saturdays in a row, and it was fantastic. And everybody loved it, and the whole town bought into it, and there was huge crowds coming week on week to all the games. And it was like it, it replicated a soccer season, but you knew what you were doing. We and we and there was no training going on. It was match, 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 championship. We ended up getting the county final, which you probably wouldn't have got to if they had been spaced out over um, you know a two month period. It just worked out great, and you know that was totally enjoyable. And the players remarked that we would have a lot of soccer players in Mitchstone, you know, who played played a decent level in Mitchstone, and they would have they loved that structure from soccer, and they loved that structure more when they got it from the GA. And they, they really bought into it. And I just think, you know, something like that, and you can close off a club season and let it be for the club. But it's very hard for the players to... Players want to keep everybody happy, you know. And uh, and I think, you know, players are, are very willing to do these things. And they feel bad about not going going able to train with their club and things like that. And, they're you know, most most of them are, you know, really genuine people. And they, they, they love playing with their club. But they just... They, their bodies can't do it. And I think, you know... It was, I think, the last opportunity in the last three months when there was nothing going on. But, you know, I suppose you could be here next year, Paul, and we'd still be talking about this because it probably will never change. And, um, you know, as I said, this was this was a good opportunity because there was nothing to be doing for the last three months. They could have sorted it out. And just finally, to touch on the club issue now, Finian, really most structures of the county championships and draws should be done by now, really. Um I don't really think it takes that long to do a draw. And really for club players, like you really need to know who you're going to be playing, say, in a month or two months' time. Yeah, I don't know what the hold-up is called, to be honest, or, or, or uh, what's going on. But just to, just to touch on Shane's point there, like the power that goes in the GA, you know, that, that's given to county boards and given to teams, you know, there's a lot going on in the GA. And at local level, you see it all the time where matches are cancelled for weddings and all sorts of, you know what I mean? And, and there's different polls and people have different delegates in the county board and stuff. There's still that stuff going on and, and the GA need to step in and the GPA and the CPA as well or whoever need to step in and say, look, this is the way we're running. We're in charge here. This is what has to happen. Unfortunately, it's the same for everyone. Uh, if you have a league match and it's on, if there's 10 league matches on a Sunday, the 10 get played no matter who's playing. If there's a player missing or there's a county player that doesn't want to play, tough luck. You have to play your match. Um, you know, we've had it before in the past where you get games called off and this and the other. It just needs to be across the board and they need to rule with an iron fist for now and, and tidy up the fixture list. Um, going back to the draw, I think, yeah, I don't understand why. Uh, I know in Galway it's not done, unless it was done in the last day or two. Uh, but but um, no, it's, it, it's not done. I don't know what the holdup is. It's, it's uh, 18 teams and uh, it's pretty straightforward. I think they've got the structure of... Three, four, three groups of four and two groups of three, uh, which I don't know the thinker behind that either. I thought it was going to be a, a straight knockout because, you know, in Galway we've got, um, you know, dual clubs and we've, you know, we're quite strong in hurling as well. So everyone's going to want a, a piece of the pie between now and the end of September, which is, you know, it's, you know, three months to, to play all these games hurling and football, which is very tight. So um, I don't know the thinker behind it, but, you know, you know, what's been happening the last two or three months, as Shane says, is, you know, 
and they're really they're really they're gone to ground and they're trying to figure things out and trying to keep everyone else happy uh, you know they just need to come in with a plan and say look this is what we have to do it's unique here everyone must understand that and get on with it pull the balls out of the hat and, and, and let counties get at it because everyone's everyone will be ready to go back you know it should be interesting but uh, there's a lot, there was too much uncertainty up to now and it gives teams county boards players management parents time to to, to to make their case and, and and grab numbers and try and rally against all this stuff. And that's that's where the real issues are. And and, and the county managers are going to be coming looking because they know that the county next door are training and it's a knock-on effect. So an example will have to be made of someone. And I hope I hope there's an example made of someone this year because it'll 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 straighten things out a bit. Now we're going to move on to Roscommon football. Um Shane, what are your kind of main observations with the strengths of Roscommon football? I suppose they, they've been, the last few years, you know, they've, they've won a couple of college titles in 17 and, and 19. And I suppose their league, I suppose, form can maybe a bit up and down, you know, they, um, they won Division 2 in 2018. They got relegated last year. They've won their last, they, you know, before the league was suspended this year, they won three games in a row and they were back up. And, you know, it was of such, well, look, Division 2 was so cut, cutthroat and so tight. Um they were up the top, you know, and probably one more win would have got them up. And um, you know, I suppose they've 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 had a lot of um, you know a lot of success to win a couple of kind of titles. Like you know, last year they were ten five down at, at half time against Galway. We were after playing the Munster final the same day with Tipperary and Clare. We were we were watching it, having a meal after, that, and we left to leave to go back to Tipperary. And like just this was over like ten five, and all of a sudden you come back in, you're going for a drink and tip and. All of a sudden, you know, Roscommon are going to play in the cup, and you, you, can't, you can't believe it. But they, last year, I think, um, you know, there, there was a newfound belief in them. I think the addition of Connor Cox was a huge, uh, a huge uh, feather in their cap. You know, I remember sitting down watching the Mayo game when they were playing Mayo, just expecting, you know, James Horn's first game back in charge in the championship is going to be, you know, the start of the procession for Mayo, you know, and just, you know, Anthony Cunningham had them very well prepared. And they, you know, they, I suppose, to, and last year they finished. You know they finished the campaign well against Cork. You know it, it, they're they're a bit up and down, and I think you know they're they're lacking that bit of consistency. But still, I suppose like they were in the final in sixteen, um, you know final in eighteen, one seventeen, one twenty, one nineteen. So they're getting the Connacht finals. You know, um, you know there there is a bit of consistency in Connacht ones. They come out of the out of, out of the province. I think they're they're lacking that bit of consistency. They they don't seem to be able to kick on. Um, you know, and I think you know they're a bit up and down. I suppose if they got the up to Division One next year, you know, if they finish out the league, and the the plan is to finish out the league, I'd say if, you, if they can get a couple of seasons in Division One, I think they can become more consistent because it, you know, when you're going down, up and down like that, they're, they're becoming a bit of a yo-yo team, and that that doesn't help. I think you know you're you know you're on a high and then you're on a low and then you're trying to get back it again, and I think that just doesn't doesn't help situation. Just looking at the early 2000s, then Finian, um, 2006 they won an All Ireland minor title against Kerry, um, which was a very fancy Kerry team with Tommy Walsh, and David Moore. Then 2010 they won Connacht, but they were fairly struggling uh, in the early 2000s. But they had some great players there in the 2010. You take Carl Mannion, um, Frankie Dolan. There were some great Roscommon players as well in the early 2000s. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Um... I came up against a good, good, good shower of them in, in Clawbank County. Um, um, I suppose back 2004, five and six, the likes of you know Stephen Lohan, Carl Mannion, Frankie Dolan, Frankie Grehan. These boys were 
where you know they Roscommon always produced really, really good players, really good players. Gary Cox, fantastic player, club made of mine now. Um, you know, re- really, really tasty players. I come back to Shane's point, they they've always kind of struggled for consistency. After two thousand and one, um, you know, you know, they won the Connor title and then Galway obviously got a second bite of the cherry and uh, and, and and ended up hammering them in the end and going on to win the All Ireland. So I suppose that was a bit of a sickness. So after that it was a bit of a bit of a lull and there was always kind of you know, there was young guys coming in and with the two thousand and six All Ireland minor winning team, you got a couple of those guys through uh, and, and effectively in 2010 they made the breakthrough beating Sligo in the Connacht final which which was a big win for, for Roscommon but I suppose you know they won in 2001 in Connacht they won in 2010 and then I suppose it's only in the last couple of years that they've really got their consistency getting to five Connacht finals you know beating Mayo beating Galway uh, on a couple of occasions um, um, you know running Mayo very close a couple of years back in, in, in Crow Park getting that draw you know Possibly could have won the game and got to you know pushed on, but got got subsequently beaten well in the in the replay. So, you know they tend to get they they can get themselves together and they have the players to do it. But it's that level of consistency. And as Paul says, you know a couple of seasons in Division One, uh, they're quite a young team. They've a lot of really good footballers at the minute. Uh, I think they, they they're a match for anyone if they get if they get on the day. I think Neil Collins is a huge loss for them uh, at the minute. Um, and, and it's probably the best players they've had in a long, long time. You know, you do go back to the early 2000s when they've had the likes of Eddie and Stephen Lohan and, and, and these guys, Fergal O'Donnell, you know, massive, powerful men. Frankie, obviously, real, 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 real stalwarts and real, you know, they, they drove Roscommon football, but they have a lot more kind of pace and slick footballers now. Maybe not Roscommon-like, they're not as tough as they used to be, but they're 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 a lot more skillful with the likes of Murta and Cox and these guys. They've got some very tasty footballers. But yeah, inconsistency over the last 20 years, but I think they're getting that right now. And in the next couple of years, if they keep going on the way they're going, uh, with Anthony, they'll add that bit of steel to, to the craft and they'll be... You know they'll be they'll be in the top tier definitely yeah yeah inconsistency really does seem to be an issue uh shane john evans came in went well in the league couldn't reproduce the championship for him kevin mcstay they weren't expected to win the common title obviously in 2017 having just won one league game that year and you see from the documentary like this inside their camp they had belief and then with anthony cunningham obviously, and the Roscommon senior footballers, they've only won one game in the Super 8s in the last two years, so inconsistency is a huge issue. Yeah, look, they, I suppose they've, they've started to get the consistency in Connacht, like, you know, getting to the, getting to all those finals, and I suppose maybe it's, you know, they get themselves so up for, for the Connacht, for the Connacht games, and, you know, I was reading there something today, um, you know, they, they never fear playing the likes of Galway and things like that, they just have this kind of a innate belief that they can win these games, and um, you know, I think they they were very lucky in seventeen. Like uh, as Finney had said, they, they they took Mayo to that replay. They could have won it. Look, they got then, but then a bit a bit like what's happening them. You know, in the Super Eight series, they they took a bit of a beating the next day. You know, same in same two thousand eighteen. Like they were beaten by, hammered by Tyrone, hammered by Dublin, beaten by Donegal by seven points. You know, after having a great game against Armagh and probably won the games of the championship. You know, that year was on a poor leash. It was a fantastic game one Saturday evening. It was brilliant football. You know, to beat our man that. And, you know, they. It, it's just that consistency. And the last year, you know, they, they you know, they were, they were, they lost to Tyrone, got well beaten by Dublin again. You know, had the win against Cork. But, it's, you know, that was a dead rubber game. But I suppose maybe it was important, they felt, you know, for Anthony probably put a lot more into that game maybe than Cork did. It was Anthony's first year. 
and he kind of wanted to finish the year on, on a high. They had won the Connacht title, and I suppose winning that last game was very important for them, you know. And I think that's look, they played, they're actually they're consistent in the in the Connacht League as well in the FBD League, you know, the last few years, you know, they've been doing well in it. And I suppose it's just. I think if they can get up to Division One and survive a year, even surviving one year would give them a, a huge, uh, you know, a, a huge chance the next year to survive as well. Because whoever comes up from Division Two the next year will be under serious pressure to stay up. So if you can get that consistency and playing that top quality league football, you know, um, I think that's going to be very important for them because they, you know, they are doing well in Connacht, but you know, at, at the moment you're not really judged on what you're what you're doing in your province. province. Around the country, because Dublin are walking away with with Leinster every year, you know, Kerry are waltzing through 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 Munster, you know, but Kerry and Dublin are judged, and same as Tyrone, like Tyrone, Tyrone don't even seem very worried about the the Ulster Championship the last few years. They're more worried about the All Ireland series, you know, and if you're judged on that Super Eight campaign, and you know, I think that that's very important. They they could, you know, even go into the last game of a Super Eight campaign with a chance of qualifying. The last two years. They have had no chance in the last game. Uh, I suppose that's disappointing. But look, I think the managers, they have, they have a point, like Kevin McStay, had done a brilliant job with, with um, Bridges to win the All-Ireland. You know, that was a huge boost to, to Ross Common football because Bridges have been very consistent. But again, they couldn't get over the, get over the line, but they did that day. You know, great comeback against Ballymun. And I think, you know, Anthony Cunningham, he, he's proven it wherever he's gone. You know, hurling and football, I think he's a, he's a, he's a fantastic manager. And I think... He's um he knows what he knows what he's doing very professional. I think you know if if anybody's going to get it, know the Ross Common consistently at, at a I suppose at a national level. I think Anthony could be the man. Just looking at the underage finning uh, in Ross Common, Galway's been very dominant in minor and under twenty. Ross Common haven't really been putting it up too much towards the latter stages of the minor and under twenty kind of championships. Club championships in the last few years against Curvin haven't shown too well. Curvin a hammer Clonagail, Port Peters has Curvin on the racks for a while, but Curvin uh, bet them quite convincingly. Do you feel they're struggling a bit at club level when they go on to the provincial and at underage level? A little bit, yeah. At, at underage level, certainly. Uh, I know, you know, Galway have, you know, really in the last number of years been 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 very very strong at minor uh, and at under twenty. You know, reaching a number of minor finals, obviously uh, under Donald O'Flaherty, and we've, you know, in the under twenty final a couple of years ago, uh, and winning a couple in the early twenty tens as well. So, um, yeah, Roscommon, yeah, since since, since two thousand and six and. You know they have struggled to 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 get you know they got to an under twenty one final, but they have really struggled to get consistently, you know, beat the likes of Mayo and Galway and Connacht especially, and push on and 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 get national honours at underage. Um, now I can't guarantee any success at senior because it's a different animal now. Because I think more and more what you're seeing is you know you can have a conveyor belt of players coming through, but it's a huge step up into senior with strength and conditioning and everything like that. I think it, you know the the key things now are how your senior panels are set up more so than your underage structures. Even though you need them there, I still think there's a big disconnect between under 21 or under 20 and senior uh, getting lads in and getting them up to that pitch of the game. You'll get players like David Clifford and. You'll get players that can do it in Galway uh, as well, but uh, to get a number of players through at, at any one stage, to bring a number of players through uh, from under 20 to senior is, is is difficult because they're all coming in in the same kind of physical shape and uh, you need, obviously, experience. But at club level, 
um, club level, you know, Ross Comedies were always strong and came up against St. Bridget's in, 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 in a Connacht final, Connacht club final, um, which we won and they went on then to build and obviously win the All-Ireland in 13 and we lost to them that year, or sorry, the year before we lost to them in the Connacht semi-final uh, in 2012 and they went on and won in 13, but uh, Bridget's have been quite strong for a number of years. Um, you know, they produced Frankie, you know, Carol Mannion, the Kilbrides, really, really good players. Dara Donnelly, they were a real feeder team. Shane Kern, they're a real feeder team to the Ross Common uh, team. And, and Anthony Cunningham was there, but there's massive football in St. Bridget's. And it needs to really be the, the nursery for Ross Common football. Uh, they have the facilities, they have the numbers, obviously, it being in that loan and, and, and the surrounding area. So, uh, at club level, Bridges need to be really strong. When Bridges aren't that strong, the senior teams tend to, you know, come back a bit. And I think in the last few years, you've had Park Pierce's, as you say, Clonagale, who have great tradition as well. But uh, you need a you need a, a main team. We have Kirk in, in in Galway, and we're always getting one or two off them. But um, uh, I think they have potential to have a massive club scene because they do have good club teams. But um, they just seem to be dipping at club level in the last while. And and if they can start, you know, they they've. The other side of it is there's money in Roscommon. Uh, you know, you can see what their fundraisers and raffles and stuff. They're putting money into underage and stuff. So maybe they have a plan for the next 10 or 15 years to, to, to get their resources together and try and build a, an underage structure to come through to senior and, and look at the long-term vision uh, and maybe look at the clubs as well. So if they do that and get that right, then they'll be a force in the future. But I suppose they'll they, they need to start with that. But uh, they, have the, they have the resources and the, and the potential is there, certainly. And Shane, there seems to be a real bond in this Roscommon team. Obviously, numerous brothers. Um, you have the three Dailies, Ronan, Connor, and Niall. Then you have the two Smiths, Donny and Enda. Um, so, like, there's there's a lot of brothers on this team playing together, and I suppose that bond probably kind of helps some um, friendships, like in the team. Yeah, look, it, it, it certainly helps when you when you when you're you know you're you're starting off with teams like that that um, they have that. Um, you know they kind of know each other's games, and they're you know they um they they're familiar with each other, and I suppose they're they're comfortable with each other, and I suppose that you know, but I suppose what you don't you don't what you don't want to have forming like that is clicks and things like that. I suppose you know within the club scenes and things like that. So you know while it can be very important, um I think you know to have a good mix, you know and not to have one club um dominating the panel, you know it, it's very important. But like those players like like Nile Daly and all that like. A huge experience, like, and I think, you know, I suppose, look, um, Patrick Pierce is winning the their first cross common title uh, this year was it was huge for them, and I think maybe look, they're they're maybe they're a club team that could kick on next year. You know, the, the monkey off their back. They have a lot of intercounty players, and you know, I think, um, you know, the, the the experience that they're gaining from that, you know, can only stand to Ross Common. And look, the the lads as well. There's a lot of a lot of guys in that Ross Common team. Who have Sigerson medals too, and I think um, you know that's a good breeding ground for, for footballers. There seems to be a huge connect between um, you know DCU and Roscommon. Obviously, when you look at DCU teams, there's always Roscommon lads on it. I think that you know down through the years that, that that's been very important. Like Nile Daly won one with UCC as well, um, you know. And I think the more Roscommon guys that are getting exposure at Sigerson level and things like that, you know, you know, it's fantastic for them. And look, they they're under twenty, they're underage teams. You know, they have been. They were, I think, the 2012 All Ireland final. They were in the, the four, 2014 All Ireland 21 final. You know, there's still players in those squads coming through, and it's not like if you can pick up three or four every year, that's what you're looking for. You know, I think that's the, that's the real key to underage success. 
you know you don't have to be winning all the time but if you're getting players who can step up to the mark the following year you know quickly then i think that that you know we can't always be like Kerry, you know winning all the minors in a row and you know and, and getting all those players but i think it's very important that if they keep, keep picking up players guys playing at um you know at sigerson level i think that's very important for for the so-called we say not the top counties top counties it doesn't really bother them whether they've got guys playing sigerson or not but i think it's very very important for the likes of roscommon you know and the, the, those guys um you know they, they are playing at Sigerson level. I think it's very important, you know, to for them to improve, um, you know, their you know their standard of training and I suppose they're they're working with the top guys all the time. Then and they, they see then what it takes. Like you know, I hear that you see that in ladies football as well. The girls playing O'Connor Cup who are playing with the likes of Cork players and and Kerry players, Dublin players, Galway players, you know, from the weaker counties. You know, they see what standard they can you know they need to get. To, and I think that's that's very important as well. And Finian, obviously, uh, Kieran Murta wasn't available last year, a uh, big loss for Roscommon, and he's done his cruciate now. So I suppose they'll be measuring how that goes and hopefully getting him back. But then, Jimmy Murta wasn't sure was he committing this year. So if they were to lose to two Murtas, it'd be a massive blow. Well, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kieran, yeah. To, to be honest, the two two Murtas have been their main players. Um, Jeremy Murta is is definitely one of the best cross common footballers in the last twenty years. He's a, a phenomenal talent. I think he's the most skillful player they have. He's dangerous, uh, and if he's fit and and gets ball on any day, he'll he'll crucify anyone. Um, and obviously, Kieran Murta is more of a, a centre forward. Uh, you know, he can he can spray a pass and and and, and going back to the brothers, they've got they've got. Um, they're, they're pretty much in sync when it comes to playing together. So to lose the two of them would be, um, yeah, would be huge. You know, they still have, you know, Tony Smith, uh, Olsen Harney, guys like that. But, you know, the calibre of the two boys, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 their pedigree is a bit higher than, than what they have. And, and obviously leadership as well. They seem like like leaders. I know Kieran Murta was their captain a couple of years ago. So, you know, to lose uh, two two big players like that would be a massive setback. You know, they've got players around around the pitch that can can fill in, but um, that would be a major setback this year if they lose the two of them, yeah. And finally now, just for both of you, we'll start with you, Shane. Um, how fair do you think this Ross Common team can go? Well, I think, I think it's very difficult for you know, them to, I suppose, progress out of the super rates. Like, you're... you're are they in the top four in the country? I don't know. I don't think they are. Um, I think they look. They can be, and they're probably deserving of a place. In the, in, you know, just about maybe in the top eight, in the top eight in the country. But if they can get, as I said, if they can get to that, um, get to the last game of a Super Eight, still competitive. I think that that you know that that makes them you know makes makes things much better for them. I think then, and they need. I think they need they need to get to Division One and stay in Division One for, for for a few campaigns. That's that's what they, what they can. But they're capable. I think they have lots of good footballers. Lots of good football. And you need all your a county like Roscommon needs all their good guys playing. Like so, if you've got guys stepping away, and you know, and I actually think maybe maybe this break that we've all had from the game actually might pe- make people come back, and you know they'll you know they might re- you know some people who are meant to go traveling can't go traveling now and things like that. So you actually you know I see there Tipperary are after again and two or three guys back, you know, who are meant to be travelling. Quinlan and Liam Casey, these guys, they were all going travelling. They're, they're all back playing with Tip now. So that's certainly certain Tip's hand. And I'm sure that's going to be the case in a lot of other counties. You don't tend to tend again. You don't tend to see that with the big counties. You don't really lose guys that way. But, you know, guy, counties on the fringe like Roscommon, Tipperary, teams like that, they need all their guys at home playing. And, you know, I think if they have them all at home, they can, they can qualify for, uh, you know, Again for the Super Eights and maybe 
we get into that last game and get into Division One, can't see them can't see them getting to the All Ireland semi final though in the next few years. And not, not at the moment, not at the level that the other teams are at. You know, you're gonna need every you're gonna need teams to dip too much, I think, for them to get there. Um, you know, but I think it's if they can get the consistency and become a top eight team consistently, I think that would be, you know, a very good a very good thing for us coming football. Yeah, and Finian, like if the two matches commit and you have Connor Cox, Niall Killer in the Smith, like it's it's an unbelievable forward line. So they they could even go further than you'd expect, like if they have everyone committed. Yeah, definitely if they if they have everyone committed, they're they're a match for they're a match for anyone. Now look, as Shane says they're probably a little bit outside the top four. Uh, but you certainly wouldn't want to get them in a group, you know, if you're if you're in a super eight group and they're the lesser team. Uh, there's less. There's other teams that you prefer to be playing than Roscommon because on any given day when they get their noses up, they can they can really really you know they can play, but they're tough and their supporters are relentless. Uh, they're absolutely relentless. Uh, I know when they come over the border here, they're uh, they come in numbers and they make noise and uh, uh, they're hostile. So uh, they they have that in their armor. They can uh, they can bring a crowd and they can you know going down to the height. It's not. You know, down to the the graveyard. Uh, don't you know? It's not uh, pretty on on a wet day, and uh, they can they can catch anyone. So look, the players you've mentioned, they do have, they have super players. I think Neil Collins is a huge loss to um, to uh, Roscommon football. I think or Neil Collins. I think he's one of the top fullbacks. He was when he was playing one of the top fullbacks in the country. Reads the game really really well. Lovely ball player, um, and and really kind of the missing piece. You know, they've Sean Malouli. He's another. Savage player at six, you know, so you could have a three and a six there that would be up there with the best what's around. So in the dailies, David Murray, you know, Enda Smith out around the middle, Kyle Compton, um, and these guys, and then obviously the forwards you've mentioned. You've got you've got a super team, and if they can get that bit of Anthony Cunningham about them, uh, which is that steely determination and that toughness uh, that he brings, then. You know, as I said, no one will want to play them. But uh, I think the Super Eight uh, and probably competing in the Super Eight is 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 as far as they will go um, in in the next while. Yeah. So now moving on to the greatest Roscommon football team of the last two decades, Europe Shane, Europe first Shane, um, one to seven. One to seven. Here we go. Um, Shane, goals. A bit of a, a trying to decide between the, the last two guys. I mean, I'm Ali and Lavin, and I think I went for Cullum Lavin because he, I suppose he was there in 1718, um, missed out. He wasn't playing last year, but he's back in back in command again this year in the league. So I went for Cullum Lavin there. Um, you know, I think uh, you know to to I suppose good sign of a player that can come back again from uh, disappointing not being on the being on the team one year and get back and get, regain the jersey again. So I went for Cullum Lavin there. Um, in the backs, um. Went for David Murray from Padre Pierce's. Um, been super consistent for us coming for many years and again very important for his club. And I suppose you know, looking for consistency there in the backs, and he's been there for, for many years and you know, constantly putting in good uh, solid displays. Um so went went for him I went for him a corner back. Um the other corner went for Sean McDermott. Um he retired there, you know, last year, 178 appearances. You know, 17 years playing inter-county football for for Roscommon. So, you know, I think that's that's a super record for wh- whatever county you're involved in. You know, and to play that many times for your for, for your for your county, and I suppose again, 
uh, they wouldn't have been progressing all the time so far in the championship. So to have that level of consistency, uh, P.O. 178, 78 times for the, for the county. Uh, I went for Peter uh, Domican at fullback, the captain in 2010. Um, you know, stepped away from the game then for a while, but came back again and, you know, was back in the team in 2017. And I think, you know, if, to come back come back into the county football like that and to come back and win it, look, he won a Connacht title again. I think that's, you know, that's, that's hard going to after stepping away. But, you know, he, he showed great um, leadership to come back again. Half-back line, you know, um, Niall Daly, I went for Niall Daly wing back. Um, you know, very highly regarded in UCC. Um, you know, won the O'Connor Cup with them. Um, again, very consistent with Ross Common down through the years. Super player for his club as well. And I think, you know, um, that UCC team would have been dominated by Cotton Kerry players, but Niall Daly didn't look out of place. Um, you know, he was very commanding in that UCC team. So I think he, you know, he um, at six went for their only All Star of the last, well, it's of the last, this last 20 years, Francie Gren, you know, a super player. Um, it would have made any inter county team, you know, a tough. And strong and quick, and um, you know, I think he, a certainty on any any Ross Common team, I think. So that's when went for Francie. I went for Francie at six, and at seven went for Connor De Benny. I uh, hope I, I haven't uh, gone over. Uh, he's normally named in the forwards, but plays a wing back. Had a very, he was an All Star nom- nominee uh, in 2018. Scored, you know, two six from wing back. Uh, captain's team as well, and I think um, you know, again, a, a modern wing back. Fierce attacking, great pace, and it was a member that um, minor team that won in 2006 as well. Uh, there was only, again, I was reading an article there again, uh, you know, there was only three of them left involved, and he was one of the three. And I suppose, uh, you know, you can have that success, I suppose, un, un, uh, un, unexpected success at minor level goes to fellas' heads a bit, I suppose, but he's stuck at it, and I think, um, you know, he's, he's still there at 30, 31 years of age. and you know, I think he has again shown great consistency, and you know, readapted his game maybe from being being a forward back into back into the backs, but playing very well at wing back. So that's my one to seven. Now moving on to your eight to fifteen, Finian. Yeah, um, yeah. So number eight, I went for Carol Mannion, as mentioned before, probably uh, the, the the best most common player, most consistent most common player in the last twenty years. Super player. Uh, I played with him. Uh, on Railway Cup teams and against him at club level and look uh, I actually marked him a few times because he spent a bit of time in around uh, in around the full forward line as well but uh, great hands uh, a real leader um, you know lovely kick pass or kick a score uh, and just you know it really drove Roscommon on you know uh, any 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 big game that Roscommon had you know Carl Mannion was to the fore when he was playing and, and, and same with his club you know just a, a super guy um, you know very humble guy but went out went about his business and a real real drive for um, for us common over the years, so went for Carla at eight. Uh, went for Enda Smith at nine. Uh, I suppose you know anything Ross Common have done. You know they've got to five kind of finals, and really Enda Smith has been to the four. Uh, I, I suppose in midfield, particularly in 2017, unfortunately uh, against Orlock, he was a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal performance in in the rain in in Pierce Stadium. Uh, you know one of the best performances I've seen. Uh, he just, you know, he really just grabbed the ball, grabbed grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck that day, and drove Ross Common on, uh, and and it was a massive, massive performance. You know, as good a performance in a kind of final as 
as you will see, um, and I suppose particularly that day. But 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 you know, subsequently in the league and championship for the last four or five years, he's been he's been the the real driver for for Ross Common. So I went for Enda at nine, at ten I went for Carl Craig. Um, you know, Carl has been a model of consistency in the last ten ten to twelve years for Ross Common. Uh, he played international rules um, two thousand and thirteen with us. Um, you know, and you know, didn't look out of place at all. You know, a top footballer, great balance, great ball carrier, uh, can take a score. You know, good man to take a goal as well. Uh, I suppose the 2010 Connacht final, a massive, massive game at wing forward. He was, he was driving them on. You know, they were they were underdogs that day, but um, you know, Carl was one of the main main stars of that 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 team. And and you know, he's been, uh, you know, he went away for a couple of years, a couple of injuries, but he's back now. And, you know, he's into his 30s, but he looks as fit and strong as ever. At 11, I went for Donny Shine. Uh, played, you know, played a lot of his career inside, but uh, I think, you know, going back to 2010, uh, he was he was out, he was was out playing out the pitch in around the centre-forward line. You know, super hands. Obviously, one of the, 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 the top retakers we've seen in the last 20 years nationwide. Uh, the 2010 final being an example, you know, he kicked 10 points. I think it was... You know, four from play and six, six frees. You know, nothing easy. Forty fives used to stroke them over. Um, you know, could catch ball uh, in around the square, could come out, catch a midfield, and he could spray a pass as well. So, you know, six foot five. You know, he was a monster. And 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 although he didn't play as consistently and as long as he probably would have liked, uh, when he when he was in his prime, you know, I think in the last twenty years he was as good as what Ross Common have had. Uh, at 12, uh, Shane, I went for Connor, Connor Devaney at, at 12, um, obviously playing his football in, at wing back. But, you know, I've seen a lot of Connor uh, over the last number of years. Um, and again, you know, a quiet lad, a small guy, but but massive heart. And, you know, anything Roscommon have done over the last few years, he's just driven them on. Great ball carrier, goes back from wing forward, picks up the ball off the goalie and just, you know, no fear. And that's what you want in a guy. Um, you know, there could have been a number of players gone in at number 12, but I think Connor deserved his place. Uh, inside line is quite um, dangerous. German Murtha at 13, as I said, uh, when this guy gets ball and space, there's, there isn't a forward really in the country, um, you know, too much better than him. He's, he's a phenomenal player last year in the Connacht final. Um, he really, or sorry, in 2018, he really, really um, took Galway um you know, to, to the cleaners, really, you know, he scored 1-2. Uh, and even the year before, when, when, when we bet them up in, in, in the height, he was causing untold damage in the first half. Um, and if he got enough ball in the second half, he probably would have done the same. But, you know, we got the, we, we grabbed the game in around midfield, which cut off the supply. But Jeremy Murtha is as good a player as you'll see. And, and, and um, you know, a dangerous, dangerous inside forward. Uh, Seneca Bride, I went for at 14. Um, played a lot uh, against Senan Club and County. Uh, marked him a good few times as well. Uh, it was always a, a challenge, but you know, sweet left foot, sweet left foot. He could come out to to the halfway line in around the 45, 65. And if there was a bit of a breeze, he'd pop one over. Um, great hands. He was tall, but deceptively very, very quick uh, over the first ten yards. So very, very difficult to mark, and uh, an absolute pinger of a left foot. So. You know, um, kicking ball into him, you could kick it in anyway, and he'd win it, and he'd win a free, and and obviously with the club as well, he he drove them on. Uh, and at 15, I went for Frankie. You couldn't really leave him out of the of the Ross Common team. Uh, you know, just all heart, all Ross Common. You know, just thick man on the pitch. You couldn't uh, you couldn't look left or right. He'd be telling you, he'd be in your ear, he'd be. You know, I suppose the ideal forward to play with. 
you know, could take a score, solo dummy, a crafty little corner forward, but Jesus, he's he was um he was uh, so tough to play against because he just he'd be he'd be hitting yeah, he'd be pulling dragon, he was just a nightmare. He was all action in the corner forward, but on the ball, really skillful, could uh, take a score from anywhere as he showed in, in two thousand and one. And um yeah, definitely, you know, uh, worthy of being in there, even though there's a lot of good players missing out. That that was the eight fun players I went for. That's great, lads. Well, that's all on part one of the Backdoor Football Show. Next up in the show, we have Tyrone Footballer, Conan Iyer. Hello, and you're welcome to part two of the Backdoor Football Show. Delighted to be joined by Tyrone Footballer and Omas Hayden as footballer Conan Iyer. Conor, you must be delighted there was a season because a few weeks ago there wasn't looking like there was going to be a season. Delighted, Paul, yeah. Um, and again, be happy to just get back collectively, training with boys, um, getting that competitive nature back again. Uh, now looking forward to it. Yeah, I suppose this time with the weather we've had, it's just been unbelievable. Has it given you time to really focus on more your skill side of the game? Big time, yeah, you're spot on. I uh, I probably started lockdown, uh, took off like a bit of a madman, did all this free time, and you were training excessively. So I had to pull back, you know, be a bit smarter, and sort of look at myself and say, right, where where am I strong? Where can I utilize this time wisely? And you know, where do I want to prioritize my time? And a lot of that was towards getting football skills in. Unfortunately, with no pitches. It's been difficult, but it's getting a bit of grass area and getting working on both sides of the body. Trying to tidy up any any weaknesses in that sense, but I think the football in general will be a shock to the system for everybody going back. And is the individual training side, like you're going from training with say 30 plus lads and then you're going training on yourself, is it just a huge change altogether? Yeah, and initially, it was okay because I'd be pretty individually motivated and that was grand. You know, I had no issue with training on my own, but as the weeks went on, it is difficult. Um, so I'm really glad at the minute we're back in, in small groups of three and four and um, trying to gives you a wee bit more accountability and when you're doing your sessions that you've got somebody beside you to push you on. Yeah, and just going from like three or four to say going back, like even you were saying, Tyrone Championship's going to be knockout. It's totally different because like the hits you get in Gaelic football these days compared to going with three or four, and it'll probably be your first game in say four to five months. It's going to be a huge thing for Gaelic players to get used to, really. Yeah, it'll be a big shock to the system now. And I suppose training can only prepare you so much. We're lucky that we have a couple of league games for first round of the championship. So you get some sort of preparation time for that, which is good. But, you know, say nothing prepares you for games, like playing matches. And I suppose that's the focus now with training is trying to prepare the body as best you can so that you're going to stay injury free because the season is so short. Um, one or two injuries will, will inevitably finish it. Like. And I was doing a bit of research here into your early career for almost eight dentists. Um you, you were saying that your father was manager of the A team for almost eight dentists and you used to be on the B team. Um, 
So obviously you weren't the best player coming up along the way, but what do you think changed to make you the player you are today? Yeah, well, he, you know, the team of year above, he was always manager and I suppose I wasn't going to get playing. Um, and instead of sitting on the bench, it was more productive to play on the, on the second team, the B team, and play down in Division 3 or 4 and yeah, games every week. So that was big for me, just getting matches, week on week getting matches. Um, although we mightn't have won many games um, and the A team were very successful in winning championships, it was difficult to see at the time, but in reflection, getting games was very, very important. So in terms of my own experience and looking back, it's something I would encourage all coaches are giving people games. Um, not having players on the bench, like it's not going to develop them at all. Like, but yeah, that's that was the start of that journey. Like, um, and you were massively into athletics, and it's it's really shown because you have probably one of the fastest players in the country at the moment. But um, did athletics help you massively to get your pace? Yeah, well, I was always in very good shape physically, um, very, very skinny. And um, I probably had a look and see and say, right, how am I going to transform my body to help me play football? So, you know, cross country and road running was a, was a big thing. And you were competing at a reasonably high level uh, at that. And I probably got to 17, 18 where you decided, right, I need to choose a path here and go with it. Um, because the two body types and the type of training for each is quite different. Um, and obviously football, growing up, being Roman and All-Irelands, that was my inspiration, um, rather than going down the route of cross-country athletics. So chose that path and then you sort of had to alter your training in that sense and your sort of body shape and everything else. So it's given me a really good base though. My my aerobic capacity would be very high. I can get up and down the field well, but it's being able to incorporate a bit more sharper stuff and um, spend a long time trying to build build the body up so that I can take those hits and bangs. And you know, you probably realise that once you start to move into senior football at, at eighteen, your body's just wasn't I wasn't physically developed for it, um, and I had to spend a lot of time building that to to get to where I am now. And your father obviously played for Tyrone, Johnny Myler, and uh, during the pandemic there you ran a marathon to raise funds for where your mother works in Tyrone. Was, did that give you a great sense of pride doing that with your father uh, during these times of uncertainty? Yeah, um, always very proud of, you know, I would look up to him in that sense that he's always set the standard for me um, as a person and as a footballer, you know, with him and Stephen. Uh, status for playing with Tyrone and winning county championship at Oma and um, won a couple of Sigersons as well. Like that's when I look at you know what I wanted to achieve out of football, it was sort of trying to emulate that initially. And you know, him he's very, very mentally driven. Like, you know, I knew that he had no training done before this marathon. Uh, he was gonna do it on a treadmill in our yard and shed and the purpose was to raise funds for Covid ward that one was working in, so he had no preparation done, and he just decided he was going to do it. And um, mentally, I knew he was incredibly strong, and that it wasn't going to be for lack of effort. But physically, I was sort of questioning, is this 
physically possible to do it. All right, on a scorching hot day, in a roasting hot shed, uh, 26 miles, you know, but he, he got through it and he got through it rightly as well. So again, he's always setting the standard for me to sort of see how far you can push yourself and and how far even that mental side of, of your game can take you. Something else, really. And uh, Tyrone obviously won all Ireland's in 2005 and 2008. You must have had some massive heroes uh, growing up watching that Tyrone team. Big time, yeah. And I I just remember being uh, in the crowd, running onto the pitch after, and that feeling of elation. Uh, <clears throat> and that's what inspires you, is, is chasing that feeling. Although you don't really know what it'll feel like. Um, you know, you seem to be chasing a feeling rather than, um, you know, chasing the medals as such. It's it's seeing the faces of the players and seeing what happened and how it transformed things. That's really where you want to get to, like, and and yeah, that that was that was easy for my age, where you're at a, a very influential age, where these players are going to inspire you and. I suppose it's up to us now to try and inspire a new younger generation and to try and see see what I seen as such at that age. He obviously won the All Ireland Under Twenty One title in two thousand and fifteen, and just looking at that team, like so many of that team have come through to the senior team now. Um, I think seven or eight that were starting on that team through to the senior team, and then to have Peter Canavan involved, that must be massive. Yeah, and uh, you know, just reflecting on that too. When I talk about that influential age, there was a group of players who came through at a similar time who would have all been watching uh, Throne lift all Ireland's in, in 03, 05 and 08. Like. But we maybe even had more. We could have 10 or 11 players that played, been involved with the senior team from that group. And, and maybe there's only probably eight now. Um, and all have played championship football and, and some are regular starters. So that formed a big crux of, of the team we have now. But you know, that's a successful team and that team um obviously working with Peter, that team wasn't successful as minors. Uh, I wasn't involved in the team at all at minor. Um, I didn't make it. But you look at they got beat in the All Ireland semi final, I think. Um and how Peter came in, Brian Duher was also involved with that team as well too. Two sort of heroes in Tyrone, like two men who've lifted uh, Sam along with uh, Fergal Logan, who was a brilliant uh, people's person and man manager for uh, the setup as well. So we had a really good setup and things clicked well. And unfortunately, at the end of it, we had success. And then that year to get brought into the Tyrone senior panel, like it must be massive. It's obviously been a dream year since a young age. And obviously, just coming up short against Kerry that day in All Ireland semi final, but horrendous conditions to play a football match that day. Yeah, and, and when I look at myself, I was 20 that day. I was the youngest player on the pitch. Um, and at 18, I couldn't make the throw minors. So in two years, you go from that to um, starting an All Ireland semi final against Kerry and being the youngest player there. That was a big turnaround. And I suppose at the time, you don't realise it until you start reflecting. And on that game, like we were kicking a ball away from going to an All-Ireland final, having lost the first round as well that year. 
um, and I have them per year. Tone seniors were per 13 or 14 or 14 or so. Um, you know, that was you were part of maybe a new generation and research as such, because then we went on to win the Division Two National League, two Ulsters as well in the next two years. So, um, you know, twenty fifteen was probably a kickstart of something as well from a lot of the under twenty one crew as well came in. What was the main difference for you, like not making a minor panel to going straight on to the senior team then starting wing forward and being the youngest player on the pitch? What do you put it down to? Um, I suppose at that time I I was very, very individually motivated and you know, hard work was the big thing that you mightn't have been as skilled as the other players, but you know, for sure you were um, you were gonna work harder and you were gonna nail all the basics and, and do them extremely well and things even like studying video work to make sure that you know you had an age in that sense and um, physically you were in uh, good condition for, for covering ground and it was a case of just offering what I can offer that other players can't and it was that fine detail probably in that sense Um I always probably looking back now Around that age, had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, not getting picked for teams, um, not starting on on certain club teams as well, and things that, uh, you know, people telling you you're not good enough and stuff. And I would have carried that and used it in a sense to motivate myself, which took me to a point, which was good and successful. But that probably took me over the age then, where I was so competitive and and so. So that that chip still on my shoulder. I was pushing myself too hard and picking up injuries then. Uh, in 2015, 16, 17, you were picking up injuries fairly often because you didn't know how to switch off or to step back. So I'm learning now, still making mistakes, but learning now to train a wee bit smarter and incorporate that with training harder. And Connor, you've had your fair share of injuries. Like, has it been tough mentally to take them injuries? Yeah, for sure. And I suppose for me, that transition age of 17 to 20, where you had so many setbacks, again, that prepared you and that sort of gave you the resilience to, to deal with these things. But um, I sort of take these things to me straight nearly now and, you know, your reaction is more important than the action itself and, and how you perceive the injury. So in 2018 was probably the, the worst one where I chipped a bone, uh, broke a bone on top of my uh, tibia, my leg. And that was against Donegal in Super 8s. Time was up really, it was 72 minutes. Um, I went for a ball, probably had no need to even go for it. And whatever way my foot planted and collided, I uh, just chipped the bone. So tried to hobble off, wasn't much use. Um, and got a scan a couple of days later to say, um, there was a small break, a weak fracture, and that would be your season over. Um, which is obviously you're at a stage where the All Ireland final is only four weeks away, and again, I instead of sort of moping about and and, uh, and doing nothing about it, I tried to take action, and um, I just went. I didn't go into a cast, decided to stay just in a like a brace, and and then off that in crutches. Um, tried to speed up the recovery in whatever way I could and managed to get myself back in a position where four weeks later you're starting in the All-Ireland Final. Like. 
Yeah, it must be massive like to have that. But twenty seventeen, uh, you were hammered against Dublin, but like anything that could have went wrong went wrong that day. Um, you received a huge amount of criticism as players that day, obviously getting beaten from Dublin because everyone was thinking this is Tyrone's time to ambush Dublin. Was it tough to take that criticism as players? Yeah, well, as players, we underperformed that day, big time. And you know, we always we have a high expectation. We don't fear anybody we play. And we went into the game fully expecting to win it, but we were completely caught out. Um, probably tactically and everything else as well. We got it wrong on the day. And basic mistakes cost us as well. You know, simple hand pass given away to cause the goal at the other end. And small things like that really turn the game penalty as well it, you know it's it's very fine margins it is and we're especially playing Dublin who limit their mistakes they you know their percentages are so low in terms of unforced errors that you can't afford to make any mistakes against them because they are very very clinical and we just made too many mistakes that day 2018 you obviously got to the final and started really well against Dublin probably feel disappointed that you weren't enough clinical at the start of the game because you really did come out all guns blazing. And could you talk to us as well, like there's so much involved leading up to an All-Ireland final, like what's it like as players? Um, I probably missed the, most of the build-up because I was just trying to um, do whatever I could to get myself back playing and I was solely focused on that. And maybe in hindsight, I didn't get to sort of appreciate the build-up because um, I was just so focused on trying to be available to, to play and then the game is over like it's over in a flash and again we didn't take our chances we went four or five points up early on and we didn't kick on we still had three or four chances that we should have nailed and went further ahead and they scored a penalty and the game just turned on its head so similar story like you have to take your chances against Dublin and because they are going to score. And it's a case of, you know, how much can you limit that their scoring and making a veil of every chance that you get as a team. Um, in hindsight, we'll be very disappointed looking back on that game, but the opportunity and the lessons we've learned, you know, you're just waiting now. You're mad keen to get into the season again to sort of set those things right. Um, same with Kerry last year. One mistake. Um... Or, you know, well, it's hard to put it down to one mistake. There's plenty of mistakes throughout the game, but one caused pivotal in the goal, and that turned the momentum and everything. You're just dying to get back playing um, to try and put those things right. And do you think that's the main area that's let Tyrone down for not winning in all Ireland in the last few years? That you need to bring this ruthlessness into your game? Yeah, well, there's a couple of areas. You know, we've been able to beat these teams before, and in uh in the league and that you know we don't fear any team as such it's just not being really clinical enough at times and um, too many unforced errors and at that level all it takes is one slip and um, it's very very costly and um, i don't know if we can put it down to one particular thing like it's probably an amalgamation of smaller things and um, but they cost big time yeah, and you mentioned the Kerry game there. Nine five up at half time is really looking like you are going to get back to another All Ireland final for the second year in a row. 
And it must be tough for these players to be watching the final last year when you see the chances Kerry had to beat Dublin and you know you could have been in that situation yourselves. Yeah, and you know, looking back, you're trying to take a bit of positive now to say Kerry were that close and you know, we had them on the ropes. Um, and yet they had a chance to finish Dublin as well, particularly in the first game. So it's very tight. Um, and even Mayo as well, or Galway have had a good year. There's a number of teams there within a shout of reaching that level. Um, it's it's just to say, repeating it again, the fine margins, the small, small things that Dublin make so much. They make very little unforced errors and they're very clinical. And the rest of us are trying to sort of get to that level. Yeah, and obviously you have received a lot of criticism for being a defensive team, but you've really progressed things on, like Colin McShane's form last year, he was just immense. Like, Do you feel you've brought your game on to a more attack intervention in, in the last few months and last year? Yeah, and I suppose with the thing is, do people see what they want to see? And it all takes is in today's society, one person on social media or somebody who has a voice and um, that people are listening to to say to brand something in a particular way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be true. Um, because we if you look at our scores from the championship last year, you obviously look at what Cal achieved, um, he was top scorer and scored so freely. You know, we were very attacking and free flowing last year, but people maybe don't recognise it and give it the credit. Um, the same way that in last year's All Ireland final, there were stages where both teams had 14 players playing the ball, and yet nobody talks about the defensive style there. Um, and again, pulling the dragon off the ball at the very end of the game, yet um, people talk about what a great game, and um, as soon as Thrones involved, it's around a dirty football or whatever. So people see what they want to see, and they tell themselves a wee story. Um, to, to nearly tell themselves they're right, I think at times. And when you really look at some of the stats and you look at the top teams who are clinical and what they do, they defend when they need to defend and they attack when they need to attack. You know, we think I we did that really well last year. We were even bringing it to a new level this year. Um, but you know, outside opinions for us don't mean an awful lot. Um, people are quite critical of their own. Um, off the basis of what some person says in a press box, so we're not too concerned with that either. Like, and uh, Connor, you played wing back, you played wing forward, you were playing corner forward in a few league games this year, dropping deep. What is your favourite position? <laughs> Good question. Um, probably trying to chat to my club manager about this as well. Like, I played centre half back with St Mary's the year we won the Sigerson. Um, and I played centre half back with Oma in 2017. We won the championship, and I really liked that position where you had a bit of control. Um, you go as well as sit and read the game. And again, you like playing wing forward as well. You're a little bit closer up the field, and again playing at 15 and giving a roving role. You're uh, you have a wee bit of freedom. I suppose for me, it's just trying to play to my strengths wherever you're positioned, and you know what I like to do carrying the ball, being able to distribute the ball and taking men on is you tend to find yourself in those positions regardless of where you're initially set out. So just happy to be playing as well, like when it gets to county level, wherever you're 
Give him a jersey. And obviously, Colin McShane was linked to the AFL last year and it was hugely talked about and it tended to go on for a bit too long. Did that affect uh, your setup in any way, knowing that probably one of your best players last season could be heading to Australia? Not massively. Um, I had spoke with Cal and, and told him to she make the decision, best decision for you, like that's that's gonna make you happy if you enjoy it and you love it. Then you know, I wish you all the best. I wouldn't begrudge any man for doing it. For us, for the team, we probably didn't analyze it and say, right, this is gonna be a big loss because the throne there, you know, you just move on. Somebody else will come in and play that role. Obviously, Cal's form in twenty nineteen though was incredible and. He would have been a massive, massive loss if we didn't have him. But um, you know, with with thrown there, we just sort of get on lines and say, right, if he's there, he's there. If he's not, he's not. We will uh, we'll push on. Somebody else will step in and step up to the mark. Step to somebody else to be our top scorer this year. So, no, we sort of took it in our stride. But at the same time, very, very glad that he chose to stay. And obviously it was mass, a massive loss that as soon as he comes back, plays his first game against Galway, he injures his ankle then. Would he be the only injury doubt now you have leading up to the championship? Um, Probably. I'll be totally honest. I don't know if there's any other boys carrying knocks or niggles. Um, you're, because we're not training collectively, it's hard to know. Um, but Cal's progressing really well with his rehab. So... Matty Donnelly's back um, training hard. Michael McCarran and Potty Hamsey were both back for the Dublin game in the league. Um, you know, Richie Donnelly's working hard to get back. I think we, we the expectation would be a clean bill of health um, come the county season. And obviously, it's disappointing this year that you've lost Conor McCallisky and Lee Brennan hasn't come back in. But to get Mark Bradley and Ron O'Neill back is huge. Like, I feel people aren't rating Mark and Ron as high as they could because really they they have huge potential to become great forwards. Yeah, and as I said earlier, with Ron, it's it's a case of somebody else will step in and take place. Um, you know, Conor McAlpin, as well as good footballers, they're good fellas, and it's disappointing to see them step away. But it's the best call for them. And, if that's going to make them happy, then go for it. Ronan and, and Mark Bradley are two incredible footballers who can turn a game on their on its head by themselves. Their uh, their vision, their skill level, and their accuracy. You know they would be playing on most intercounty teams. So it's good that we have competition there in our forward line as well, along with um, Cahill and Maddie and and the likes to to. Uh, Add that bit of firepower inside. And like looking back at your league campaign, like the goal game obviously didn't go as well, but it was probably just one of those days and going down to 13 men didn't help. But to beat Dublin and Kerry, that must give you huge belief. Yeah, we, we expect to win those games too, um, as long as we're well prepared. We we definitely took our, our eye off the ball with Monaghan and Galway and didn't prepare in the same way we probably did for Kerry and Dublin. So that's a big lesson for us. Um, and again, reflecting on the Galway game, there was a stage the game was back to maybe two, three points in the second half. And that at that stage, we were already two men down. 
um, and Cahill was off. You know, we're playing with 13 men. It's and then they went up the field. They scored. They scored a goal and penalty. The game completely turned, and I think the scoreline nearly looked worse than it was. And yet we were so poor as well. We made so many mistakes. Um, and Galway were the punishers uh, that day. But the scoreline probably wasn't a fair reflection on the result. Yet it was a good sort of kick up the arse for us as well. And um, the one that we still have Dublin to play as well. And honestly, Mickey Hart has been massive calling you into the Tyrone senior team. But what's what's it like? Like this man has went through so much. Um, won the three all Ireland with Tyrone, and I, I presume your ambition as players is to be aiming for the all Ireland as well. Yeah, Mickey. Obviously, growing up, Mickey was my manager. I know as a as a Tyrone senior manager, and there's respect he has across the country. Um. You know, when you see his name coming up on, on your phone to give you that initial call, it's it sort of sends a shiver down your spine. Like, it's it's a dream as such to get the phone call from Mickey. So that was that was great whenever he got in, uh, brought in initially. And I suppose what he realised with Mickey is his, his passion and enthusiasm for throwing football. And that's why he keeps coming back. Like, he, he just loves uh, throwing football and he wants to see throwing seniors do well. And... You try to, you know, take some of that passion that he has and, and the love for for your own and and when you go out to play like. And you won a Sigerson with St Mary's in 2017, and I was just listening to Carl McShane and Tomas O'Shea's interview the last night. You weren't even invited to the launch of the Sigerson Cup, um, your team like, and Paddy Talley was obviously over you, but did you know behind your behind your closed doors, obviously, in your team, that there was a Sigerson in this team, like some sublime footballers yourself, Colin McShane, Kieran McGeary, um, some great footballers in that team. Like, Yeah, uh, it, it was strange now, because at the start of the year, on reflection, we probably had a better team the year before, sorry, better individual players, but what we had this year was a team where everybody bought in very early on, Paddy, um, was totally invested in it. We had uh, Gavin McGillian set up with a couple of good men in the setup. Here on Kenny was here's a, a psychologist who was very important for us in uh, creating that environment and culture where we felt that we were capable, regardless of who we had on paper. I suppose at the time as well, you know, Cal, myself, um, Kieran even weren't as big names or regular names were thrown at the time. And, and again, with uh, Colin McKenna, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Kevin McKernan was probably our big name player as such. But a lot of players made a name for themselves after that. So prior to, prior to the Sigerson, we weren't expected to probably uh, achieve anything. Um, and the NUIG team we beat in the first round were a cracking team full of Galway senior players who we probably only came to appreciate after how good Galway were then. Uh, going forward, and uh, went down to DCU and beat them with a star-studded team in Dublin after extra time. Um, and again, Jeremy O'Connor and the Smith, they had a, a real top team. And then you go to beat UCC in the semi-final, and again, scraped by with Kieran had got black-yarded that day, Gary, Colin McCann had got black-yarded, we were really hanging on. 
and that care that UCC team had a lot of Kerry work stars. Do we seen how how good that Kerry team were last year? A number of players there, and they beat UCD in the final, who had three all stars like with Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey, and Michael Fitzsimmons, along with you know a couple of Kerry players, uh, Connor McCarthy from Monaghan, Stephen Cohen from Mayo. They had a, a star studded team as such as well. Um, two goals down in the semi final. You know, keeper had a short kick out and gave it away. We were straight away, two goals. And same in the final, two goals within five minutes. Alan Basquiat scored both. Uh, it's an incredible story, really. Uh, but the big thing was that never day attitude. We won three games out of the four by a point. And how we managed to, again, DCU, taking DCU the extra time down in DCU. Uh, our mental strength was incredible. Everybody really bought into something. I believed in, in something bigger than themselves, and um, we grew very close with each other. And uh, again, boys probably got the utmost best, the best out of themselves um, in terms of their playing capability. Your pick for St Mary's, it's not like half as big as your UCDs, your DCUs, like probably have four or five adult teams. Like your your pick would be limited. And like, what do you put that never say die attitude down to that you just kept coming back in every game? Um, you nearly these boys are your friends as well as your teammates. Um, with St Mary's, the big thing is, as you say, there's only maybe two hundred males across college, of which you might have 40 playing football. So your pick is very small and it's, you spend all day together. You go in the college and that's you in for the day. You lounge about, you go for food together, you you play about together in the down basketball court or you get a bag of balls and go kicking. You're very, very close. I was in UCD last year um, and played football down there. You know, a, a fantastic college as well with uh, an, an incredible football team and it was a great experience but the college is so big you know 30,000 maybe students or more you don't see people a lot of the time other than training and um, you kind of do your own thing a lot whereas with Samaris we were constantly with each other and as I say you were seeing each other as friends nearly before you seen them as teammates and Obviously now there's a lot of criticism coming in between the club and county um, I'm not sure if you've seen the Wexford Championship that is all going to be played off in the month of August. Um, the CPA aren't happy and as you were saying there you're going to have games on a Friday and games on a Sunday. Like to, I suppose there's not really a solution of the time frame but I suppose players are just delighted to be back playing but player welfare kind of has to come into this as well. Yeah and um... I don't envy the job of creating the fixtures because it's a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, the people who are making them think they're doing the, the best thing possible, but um, when you look at it logically and you look at it from a player's point of view, a lot of the time it's not viable. Um, I know for us, playing on a Friday and Sunday for two weeks, it's four games in the space of two weeks, it's, it's a big ask. And especially off the back of not playing and you're sort of returning to play, it's a recipe for injuries. So, again, 
it's going to be the same for every club and throne for us anyway. And it's just a case of how it's managed, how you manage it yourself as an individual, and how the teams manage it, with how often you play, etc. I didn't see the Wexford thing now, but um, you would like to think that some counties might have to change things slightly with player welfare and, and preventing injuries being the centre of uh, the fixtures. I understand it's a very, very tight window to try and get ready for the county season then, but there is still time there if you could work something logically there. And 2014 was obviously huge for you as a club beating Cross McGlynn. Um, weren't really expected, but you were probably expecting that inside your own camp. And you some great players, Justin McMahon, Joe McMahon, yourself, Rowan O'Neill, Kieran McLaughlin, Conan Grugan. So there obviously is real potential there and you want to build from that Cross McGlynn. But as you were saying earlier, the Tyrone Championship is so competitive. Yeah, that was it. A great year for us 2014 it was the first time the club had won a championship in about 25 26 years so it was a long time coming a lot of that team were very young and um, i was 18 uh, i was the youngest and ronald o'neill and conan grugan barry tierney them boys were in around 20 21 um, and joe and Justy were probably a bit older but the crux for our team was very young and a lot of them boys were used to success, especially Ronan and Conan, uh, Barry Tierney, Connor Clark. They won everything through up, and they brought that winning mentality into a senior team who had been struggling. And getting out of Tyrone is a big thing for clubs in Tyrone. Once you get out of Tyrone, you have a wee bit of freedom because the Tyrone Championship is so competitive. And once we got out, we just played with a bit of freedom. As I say, you know, we didn't really more carefree attitude um, big cross McLean having been 8 points down maybe and came out and won in the second half you know it uh, it was a great journey we fell short in the final just about against a great stock knee team who went on to have great success um, through Derry Club Football Ulster and making all in final so um, we met them again in 17 and fell short it's Tyrone in general Ulster, is a very competitive championship like um, and I suppose for any club in Tyrone the ideal is just to win Tyrone first year never looking any further ahead. And do you think that is why Tyrone clubs can't push on in um, Ulster because they're just getting battered and bruised and they're going through tough games in Tyrone? It's definitely a factor I would say. Uh, it's such a relief getting out of Tyrone and you have to prepare for the first round like it's the final because within Throne, as I was saying earlier, you've probably eight or nine teams who could win the championship and you know there's been eight different winners in the last 10-11 years so it's so competitive that if you're not prepared for the first round you'll get caught and your season's over. Um, I know if you're in another county, uh, Kilcoo are very successful in down, you have you know, Port Leash, Down Leash where they can they can start to plan for county finals and start to plan for provincial championships. Um, and then again with Throne, it's straight knockout. So if you're caught in the first day, that's your season over. A lot of clubs have back, sorry, a lot of counties have backdoor systems. So it's what makes Throne football exciting as well. Checking the fixtures and seeing, you know, any team can topple anyone else on, on any day. 
Exactly. Um, now, finally, to spill a few beans on a couple of the Tyrone senior footballers, um, who would you say is the best dressed on the Tyrone team? Best dressed? There's definitely a couple of men who would fancy themselves here. Don McCurry's been one. Tiernan McKeon. Uh, Colin McKeon, even them boys are, have the fancy clothes on. Like. Um, I'm going to say... I'll say Darn, Darn McCoy, in this fashion, like. And uh, worst dressed? Worst dressed, Michael McKernan wears a lot of Jordanstown gear, so he does, and um, wouldn't be fond of it now. Um, I'm trying to think, a lot of men turn up in the work clothes there, Michael O'Neill. I don't know if he's trying to show off that he's working all day, or if he just likes the steel toe boots, like. Um, I'll say Michael O'Neill. Um, best in training. Best training. Liam Rafferty is a good trainer. And Molly Donnelly is a good trainer as well. And Darn will push hard as well. Yeah. Overall, I wouldn't say with any bad trainers, so I wouldn't. Um, tough question. Peter Hart as well trains hard. Neil Sutton trains hard. Um, myself, I'll push myself too. I'll go with Molly Donnelly. Um, loves himself. A couple of men there as well. Um, I will go with... I'll go with Kyle Coney on that one. So, uh, and um, best taste in music? <laughs> on the bus we usually have... Jackie McClure doing the music. Um, it's there wouldn't be many words in these songs, like very techno, and the bus might be shaking on the way in the venues, like that's a big speaker. I don't know what Mickey thinks about these songs either, but Daggy McClure, I'll go with. He's the resident DJ. And now finally, um, the last one for you. What would you say is your best sporting achievement to date? Uh, good question. Accolades way, you've obviously uh, captained this Mary's Sigerson team, which was massive. First time captain of the team. You know, you get man on the match in the final and you got a, a college also that year. That was a big thing for me. The county championship, the first one probably Roma, where my dad played on the, the team previous to one of 25, 26 years ago. That was the first club championship in so many years. It was that was special and then again even uh, Tyrone with the, the all Ireland under 21 team, your my first bit of success with Tyrone. But when I look at what I'm most proud of, it's probably, I wouldn't have put down an accolade, I'm probably just proud of myself and what I did between 17 and 20 to get to where I was, where a lot of players would have faded off. You know, I took the decision to, to train, you know, excessively hard and, you know, to to not to miss the nights out and um, diverge away from things that probably weren't going to help my performance. <laughs> uh, and to make that decision where I put my whole lot in with, with the football. And although times it was challenging and you get a bit of criticism as well on that journey and you suffer defeats and losses and injuries, how I kept bouncing back. You know, that's probably what I'm most proud of in terms of my my football. 
Well, Connor, thanks a million for your time and uh, I wish you best of luck with the club and county whenever it resumes. Thank you.